Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only podcast from RNZ Sport. I'm Joe Porter. In the programme this week, it's an Olympic special as the New Zealand team arrives home from the Rio Games with a record medal haul. We talk to the gold medal winners, soak up the celebrations and analyse who exceeded and who fell short of expectations. We discuss whether Australian rugby is in crisis as the Wallabies stare down the barrel of another Bledisloe Cup series loss to the All Blacks. And we catch up with NBA basketball star Stephen Adams who's back in the country this week. The majority of New Zealand's Olympic team arrived home earlier this week with 18 medals in their carry-on luggage, the most New Zealand has ever won at an Olympic Games. John Campbell was at the official welcome at the cloud on Auckland's waterfront, but the athletes of course arrived first at Auckland International Airport, where the gold medalists were the first to step into the arrivals hall. this morning, and in the airport's fluoro light, something gold is glistening. Lisa Carrington has her two medals. Eric, Hamish and Mahi are lined up in a triumphant row, each with a gold, happy, proud and ready to stop. Yeah, just really, really happy to be home. Home is where the haka is. This is Portia Woodman's brother leading this. The seven star, a veteran at only 25, world women's player of the year in 2015, and now Olympic silver medalist. It's awesome to have a reception like this and then to have my brother and my cousin do a haka from me and my girls, it's, it's overwhelming. Two hours later, they were in downtown Auckland, where hundreds were there to welcome them, many of them schoolchildren, some of the medalists not much older than schoolchildren. You are officially New Zealand's youngest Olympian, aren't you? Yes, I am. <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> What's that like? What's it like, age 19, being part of this? It's pretty amazing. Uh, last year I was at school dreaming about going to the 2020 Olympics and it's just surreal. My dream came true four years earlier. So last year you were at school dreaming about Tokyo. Yeah, yes I was. <laughs> and you made Rio. And I, Yeah, so it's just amazing and I still can't get over it, but it's, yeah. <laughs> For girls who dream of being sevens players like Terina Te Tamaki, it was a morning for children to simply see their heroes. Peter Burling, flag bearer, gold medalist, sailor. I can always remember watching the, the Olympics and you know, thinking how, how cool it is and probably didn't even know at that stage that I'd end up being a sailor or anything like that. But, you know, it's a pretty special moment to, to even compete at the Olympics for your country. But uh, to bring back the gold medal uh, is something that... You know, we've, we've definitely dreamed of for a long time and to have it all come together like it did, and it's just so perfect. And, oh, we're just absolutely blown away. 
and his friend and sailing partner, Blair Chook. I don't even need to ask you a question. The smile tells the story, bro. It- yeah, it's amazing. It's so, so much hard work to get this around the neck and then to bring it back and be able to share it with the country is a super, super proud moment. So it's uh, just trying to soak it all up. It takes a lot of hard work and sometimes there's some sort of dark times where you're just pushing you to so know you've got to keep keep going hard but it all when you realise that when you stand on the podium you hear the national anthem and then coming back now, back home, it's uh, yeah amazing feeling. So just yeah, really proud is probably the most word, humble. The Rio Games were New Zealand's most successful Olympics ever. The 18 medals, four of which were gold, surpasses the previous best one at the London 2012 and Seoul 1988 Games. The New Zealand chef de mission Rob Waddell told sports editor Stephen Hewson Rio had been a challenging environment, but a Kiwi can-do approach played a large part in the team's success. Well, look, it's, it's gone really well. I think we've had an outstanding games. Uh, you're, you're correct that we've had the most medals that we've ever achieved for New Zealand. I think there's been some amazing sporting moments for New Zealand, and we've all enjoyed those. And I get a sense that New Zealand and the supporters and the people here have really appreciated the, the level of skill and, and ability that's required to be achieving at this level. And so I guess on reflection, I, I take a lot of, um, I guess, positive uh, support that what New Zealand's doing to be able to compete at this level is working. You know, we're up there with the very best in the world. Uh, it's our biggest meal account ever, and you know things are things have gone well. Because I mean, it was obviously a challenging games to, to organise coming to Rio. I mean, what's been your your thoughts around that? Well, you are correct that there were some challenges uh, early on, and. Uh, some of them have continued throughout, but that is the nature of having a big pinnacle event like this. You've got 16,500 people coming into one part of town for a pinnacle event, and that word pinnacle is, is a very important word because there isn't any room for compromise. Things have to be done perfectly. They have to be done very well, and I think probably that's where you've seen some of the sensitivities is that you know, day to day, if you're just tracking to work and you needed to improve things over, over time, whatever it might be, uh, you could do that, but this is you haven't got time to get things like that right, and so you know that's why there was a heightened awareness around a lot of these things for the athletes, for the teams, was because uh, they need to have their very best uh, field of play. They need to have things uh, perfect for them to be able to do what they need to do. Do you think New Zealanders possibly, or the New Zealand athletes possibly, are able to, to cope a little bit better when, when things don't quite go right in the environments around them? Well, it's something we messaged from very early on to the teams and the athletes coming actually before they even came up. And, and we've been coming to Brazil for a long time now. We were expecting to, to have challenges. And I think some of them, when we arrived, were, were more unexpected than others. And we've, we've worked through those. But the, I'm proud to say I don't think the athletes felt too much of, of, uh, of factors that would have influenced their performance. And, and the things that may have, there's certainly been within our team a feeling of resilience. And I've heard that comment from several athletes that they, they felt like they were just fine to cope with that. And, and uh, coming from the other side of the world and the, you know, the, what they've had to do to get here, um, they certainly weren't expecting everything to be perfect. And, and I think it's been part of our success that our athletes have had that mentality. It must be pleasing too, I suppose, given the, the performance of many of the younger athletes because we look at Eliza McCartney, look at Tom Walsh, Luca Jones. I suppose for many, those medals are a little bit of a surprise to some degree because when you look at some of the bigger sports, I suppose the way those younger athletes have developed must be particularly pleasing. I'm so excited for what we've got ahead of us, and if that's, that's one thing we'll all take from this is, yes, there was a few fours, there were was, there was some seconds that maybe people would like to have been golds, but... 
what an exciting future it shows that we're right up there and so much that talent is very young uh, you look at right across all of the sports you know, a sport like rowing which um, may have had higher expectations but the amount of young talent in the squad cycling the same thing uh, yeah, it really is a very positive thing for the future and I think what was interesting too was the diversity of sports you know, across a wide number of sports it wasn't just uh, in our targeted and our expected sports which is, which is really positive because I think what that shows is that Yes, there is higher amounts of funding that do go into some sports, but across the system now, that funding is spread in a way that we do have a base structure, which is enabling some of these other sports to, to, to fit into that and to benefit from that, and um, you know, I think shows that we are on the right track. Some of those bigger sports, though, were disappointing, weren't they? I mean, cycling didn't quite deliver what it's expected to. Rowing, perhaps, too. Uh, equestrian, I mean, coping with that disappointment. Oh, look, they'll have their own own reflections on what they may or may have not, not done better, and I think that's obviously will go through in their own independent debrief processes. But probably what it does show is is to win and to, to get a medal, you do have to be quite brilliant. You have to be as good as just about anything that's ever gone before you. And I certainly got a good appreciation of it watching our athletes competing, and uh, it, it, the bar just seems to keep rising and rising. And, and we have to remember that, um, you know, just because we, we put the black singlet on and we, we, we invest and we spend time and effort and energy, it doesn't mean the rest of the world aren't doing that as well, because they are. And in some cases they do it slightly better, in other cases we do it slightly better. But it's, uh, it, it only gets more competitive and I think that's one of my key learnings from these games. Rob Woodall speaking to Stephen Hewson. High Performance Sport New Zealand had targeted 14 medals for New Zealand in Rio and the team finished with 18. The team appears to be satisfied with their return, but as Barry Guy found out, the development of many sports may cause some long-term issues for future games. Four gold, nine silver and five bronze medals was the haul for the New Zealand team. Some sports like sailing and athletics have done well, but there are others like equestrian, swimming and hockey that came away with nothing, while cycling just picked up one medal. The less successful sports will now come under the spotlight for financial grants. Overall, though, Chef Demission Rob Waddell believes it was a success, especially for younger athletes and a wider range of sports. What was interesting too was the diversity of sports. So it wasn't just uh, in our targeted and our expected sports, which is really positive because I think what that shows is that, yes, there is higher amounts of funding that do go into some sports, but across the system now, that funding is spread in a way that we do have a base structure, which is enabling some of these other sports to fit into that and to benefit from that, and you know, I think shows that we are on the right track. Athletics picked up four medals and would be happy with that, but what about the next Olympic cycle? Valerie Adams and Nick Willis may not have too many games left in them. However, shot putters Tom Walsh and Jack O'Gill and pole vaulter Eliza McCartney are set for long careers. So is there enough athletes coming through? High Performance Director Scott Goodman says the issue isn't so much with the athletes, rather the coaches that are guiding them. The transition in our sport between amateur volunteer coaches and professional or semi-professional coaches is a sticking point because that's you know, what we've had in place for a long time. If it's a sport like swimming, then the coaches have to hire lane space, therefore they charge or they make money out of learn to swim so that there's actually an income stream. Athletics historically... We've had lots of people that give up hundreds of hours, good people, but really 
sometimes they're not the right people to take athletes to a higher level. Canoe sport was one of the more successful sports for New Zealand in Rio. Well, Lisa Carrington was, with a gold and a bronze, while in the slalom, Luca Jones won a silver. Kayak manager Grad Restel says while they may have done well in Rio, they also need to do more work with their coaches. We've got two very good coaches, high-performance coaches in Gordon Walker and Rene Olsen, and um, they've got huge knowledge. And uh, so it's, it's the challenge now is to, to push that down the level and bring our athletes up to a higher level from an earlier age. Women's hockey again just missed out on a medal. Coach Mark Hager agrees that more should be done for coaching at lower levels, but in general there aren't the same opportunities for our young players as there are in other countries. Our biggest issue is is our depth compared to, say, other countries is way below par, and that's no fault of the kids. It's the fault of our system. We don't have the finances or the money. You know, if I look at Germany, they, they've only got to travel an hour and they're playing Holland. with their They play under 16, under 18s, under 21s. It costs our kids to go to Australia $3,000 for a week, and, you know, we can't keep asking parents to fork out that sort of money. So plenty to work on for New Zealand. And how much work will there now be for Rio now that the games are all but over? Many of the locals we spoke to are worried about what, if anything, will be left for the general public and in particular the poor. However, the IOC president, Thomas Bax, says Rio is better off now, especially with the legacy of the infrastructure and employment they created. You have seen that in, in Rio, there for decades, there was no real investment in, in this city and imagine that this situation would have continued uh, like this and then imagine where Rio would be uh, uh, today. So uh, this is uh, why I'm absolutely convinced uh, that uh, they will talk about the Rio de Janeiro before the Olympic Games and, uh, and a much better Rio de Janeiro after the Olympic Games. We'll all remember Rio for some reason. From Rio, for Morning Report, I'm Barry Guy. And there hasn't been much time to celebrate for many of our track and field athletes after the Games. Many of them return to international competition around the world. One of those is bronze medal winning shot putter Tom Walsh, who returns to the Diamond League. Barry Guy spoke with his coach Dale Stevenson about what Walsh can achieve after becoming an Olympic bronze medalist. Tom's in a really fertile place, is what I would say. Um, he's young enough to look long term and, and for us to to make plans not only for the next Olympic cycle but uh, to try and be smart about how we plan um, going about what he wants to do as an athlete um, and we've, we talk about that quite a bit um, and after this we'll sit down and go through it again but Tom has uh, a lot of gifts um, as an athlete um, some of them are, are God given if you want to use that term um, but most of them are, are learned and will continue to work on that and, and, and to, to build up his skill set um, to, to be a, a good athlete um, requires talent but to be a, a great athlete um, requires being a good person being, being a great person and being um, open to, to learning new things and to, to, ex, to exploring your, the outer limits of who you are as a person so we'll, um, we're going to keep pushing at that and um, and keep growing as a, as a human being and, and as an athlete. And I think Tom's uh, Tom certainly jumped into that with with both feet, and um, and he'll reap the rewards. Because he's a great guy to talk to, laid back, you know, your typical sort of uh, New Zealand builder, part-time builder, and that sort of thing. But 
is, does that help him? Does it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, we had a long chat a couple of years ago about this and what what was building to him. Um, was it about paying the bills or was it about um, headspace? Was it about cross training? Was it about um, time management? It's probably all of the above, um, and I honestly believe that it. It is the best thing for him. Um, we've found a really good balance, and he's incredibly fortunate uh, to have an understanding employer and um, and and supporter base who, who enable him to strike that balance. Because it, 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 as an individual athlete in an individual sport who doesn't, that's not rugby in New Zealand, um, to get the kind of support that we do, we're really grateful. Um, and I think. To, to answer your question about um, Tom's demeanour, that's just who he is. Um, he, he, we place a high emphasis on on being honest and accountable, and um, that's not just to do with performance, but but who you are as a human being. And and Tom's um, Tom's out of sight for someone at, at such a young age um, to be so grounded and and mature in, in, in his demeanour. And it serves him well on the field of play. Um, he, he, he tends to get it done when it when it counts because he is that grounded South Island guy who um, who is a pretty straight talker. And uh, whilst we do butt heads occasionally on a few things as a result of that, um, I think it, at the end of the day he sleeps well at night because he knows he's doing it his way and and he's not um, he's not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. He's, he's just he is what you see. Dale Stevenson speaking to Barry Guy. And you're listening to Extra Time, a web-only podcast from RNZ Sport. Turning to rugby and Australia heads into this weekend's rugby championship match against the All Blacks with more than just the Bledisloe Cup at stake. The Wallabies have lost five tests in a row, four of those on home soil, and are just two defeats away from equaling the country's biggest losing streak since the professional era. They faced the tough ask of following up last weekend's 42-8 loss to the All Blacks with their first win on New Zealand soil since 2001 when they meet in Wellington on Saturday night. The former Wallaby Peter Fitzsimons told Denise Garland that the Australians have overcome losing streaks before and while it will be difficult, they can do it again this weekend if they shut down the All Blacks running attack. I think our model has to be the third test of 1990. Now, very few people might remember that, but I tell you what, the Wallabies of that generation remember it because that was where the Wallabies turned it all around. We'd been done in the first test. We'd been done in the second test. Everybody expected the Wallabies to go out and get thumped, and instead the Wallabies tackled themselves red raw and recorded the victory that stood as the foundation stone of them, the Wallabies to become world champions a year later, 18 months later. It was a terrific match and, you know, that's where 25 years, 26 years on from that, but that's the game it's got to be, where from the very beginning, the Wallabies have to, first of all, stop the All Blacks. They have to, they cannot let them run run rampant as they did in that one and come up with a shock victory. What chances? Answer, very little, but it's been done before. Although when you talk about that 1990 game, that was sort of the opposite to what position the Wallabies find themselves in now. They've, nine months ago, were finalists in the Rugby World Cup. So what yes. what has gone wrong in the last nine months for the Wallabies? Very interesting question. I think, I mean, it's starting to look like that extraordinary effort in the World Cup was something of an aberration. That, you know, we were hovering, you know, fourth or fifth in the world and then suddenly rose up for one mighty swipe 
to get to the World Cup final to be number two in the world, and it's since drifted back to fourth or fifth in the world at best. But one thing is certain, the performance last Saturday night was absolutely unacceptable. And potentially unacceptable as well, because it's the All Blacks who are essentially the ones rebuilding, not the Wallabies. That was the way the script was meant to read, but I think we've got our scripts mixed up. I think we've been reading the All Black part, and they've been reading the Wallaby part, and we need to change scripts and get back to the goodies winning for a nice change. Tough ask for the Wallabies with um, 18 losses in a row in New Zealand. They haven't haven't won since 2001. What exactly do they need to do in their game plan this Saturday to be competitive, to turn this around? Well, nothing can be built. No victory can be built unless they stop the All Blacks. I mean, the primary thing I would say with Michael Checker has to be whatever else happens, our defensive game has to be intact. We have to cut them off at the breakdown. We have to knock them backwards, not simply stop them, but knock them over and knock them backwards, gain the advantage line and push forward from there. So you can get lost in all kinds of mumbo-jumbo technical nonsense in, in rugby, and people do get themselves lost in it. For me, this game is very simple. Stop them. Stop them and then see if we can build a victory from there. But what we do know is... If you don't stop them, you're going to be on the end of a 50-point hiding like we were last Saturday night. Australia are very much like New Zealand are when it comes to losing streaks in rugby. It's kind of like get the coach out, start fresh. Chika has signed on till 2019. Do you think he is under threat, his job is under threat? No, I think that he's got enough credit points in terms of you know getting the Wallabies to the World Cup final last year. That there's no hunger in Australian rugby at the moment, no real idea to move Checker on. He is having a very bad patch, but he's a proven performer. He has been proven at the provincial level uh, you know, with New South Wales, certainly in, in overseas. He did extraordinary things in Ireland, and he's been proven at the Wallaby level. I mean, he's a very, very good coach, but there's no doubt about it. They're struggling right now. The feeling is that what's gone wrong can be rectified. I mean, you wouldn't want to keep losing into this time next year, but there's no hunger right now to move on Michael Checker. Peter Fitzsimon speaking to Denise Garland. The basketball phenomenon Stephen Adams is back on New Zealand soil to try and encourage the next, well, Stephen Adams to break through to the NBA. He's running a series of basketball camps for children in Auckland, Tauranga and Wellington. Max Toll reports. Stephen Adams told hundreds of teenagers this morning he wants to help them unlock their basketball potential. Since I've come through making it to the NBA and stuff, I've seen a lot of opportunities that the kids in New Zealand don't have and that a lot of kids from other countries have. So my main thing is just to pretty much come here. Well, for this camp, it's just coming here and have fun, show the kids that like, basketball is actually a fun sport to play and stuff, but also showing them, showing them that there's an opportunity there to use it as a vehicle if they wish to get a degree. Adams, who's about to become this country's highest paid athlete, says he hopes he won't be the last New Zealander to play in the NBA. He'll just make sure we have some good foundation to where when my career ends, it keeps going. That's, that's the biggest thing, right? So that's, that's all we're figuring out now. It's just going to take time. A lot of people are working very hard at uh, making sure that this is a thing, but that is uh, our goal. I fell in love with basketball because I've seen, because I didn't actually like the game at first. Like, it was enjoyable, but like, as much as I love it now, it wasn't like that. I just mainly fell in love with the, just the progress. I just seen a little bit of progress. I don't know, it just made me feel like I had a bit of purpose in my life. As cheesy as it sounds, I actually did like, because I was in a bad spot and I just didn't feel like anything. So once I seen me grow, I just understood that I could actually grow to be something that I wanted to be. He says he got a bit emotional watching his sister Valerie win silver in the shot put at the Rio Olympics, especially after coming back from knee surgery. 
I mean, I have a different perspective to most people in New Zealand right now, but I witnessed to a train last year. I went over there and I had to do it. It's crazy. The thing is, like, I, th- I thought I worked hard. Just seeing her work is, like, a whole nother level. Like, it's absolutely unbelievable. Just the most disciplined person in the world and just the hardest worker, bro. It's just... And then her recovering from the surgeries, being able to compete and still be able to get a silver medal. Got a little bit emotional. Like that, man. That's awesome. Like, it's really awesome, bro. Everyone says, like, oh, disappointing about the goal, but, like, it wasn't about, it wasn't about the goal, bro. Like, that would have been nice, but just her being able to overcome surgeries and pretty much everything stacked against her, she still came back. Stephen Adams begins his fourth NBA season in the US in October. For Checkpoint, Max Toll. And that's the show for this week. We'll be back with the next Extra Time podcast next week. Until then, I'm Joe Porter. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.